so blessed, amen? We're just so blessed as God's church. So we're diving right in today. We're in week three of this sermon series called What We Believe Matters because what we believe matters influences what we do. If I believe a certain thing about a certain situation, it's gonna impact the way that I approach that situation. And if what we uh, believe matters and influences what we do, then it also influences how we're gonna live. It influences how we're gonna spend our money, how we're gonna treat our spouse, how we're gonna raise our children, uh, what's, you know, what's, what school we're gonna participate in, how we're gonna support this or support that. And what we believe matters because it's the foundation to everything that we are. And this is supremely important as we spend time it's actually gonna be about a seven or eight week sermon series around the essentials of what we believe in a, a, a Christian faith, a Wesleyan Methodist Christian faith. Now, some of you remember uh, last October, we had our first annual trunk or treat event. And uh, I would say we probably had about eight or 900 people there at least. A good pastor would say we probably had about 1,000 there, right? It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. We had a lot of people there. It was wonderful. And if you remember at the center of it, we had a bonfire. Anybody remember that bonfire? It was so hot that you would send your eyebrows just to get in there to get yourself, get your weenie roasted, right? To, to, get, to get the hot dog cooked, you had to have a full-on full frontal experience of being burned at the stake. I mean, it was hot. It was so hot. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, I have long arms, right? Yeah, I mean, I have really long arms. And I was at the end of my arm length and that hot dog stick. And, and you could feel the heat from that bonfire all the way up at the pavilion. It was hot. You guys remember that? I got, I, I got, I got not a single person in the house raising their hand. I'm all, okay. I, well, Don remembers it because he set the fire. Don set the fire. We had, you had a, we had a propane tor torch out there, didn't you? Got that thing heated up. And it was incredible. I, I mean, Friends, it takes heat. Watch this now. It takes heat to get a fire going, doesn't it? And we had some heat that day. And that metaphor and that illustration is going to carry on into our hearts and our souls today. Because as with wood, so with people, it takes heat to set a soul ablaze. And God wants to get our spiritual temperatures up today. He wants to raise up our spiritual temperatures and the question is, are you prepared and are you living daily with anticipation and are you ready for the fire to come into your life? We're talking about a Holy Spirit-filled fire today. Now, you can get impatient trying to get a fire started. It can be frustrating when it's not happening. It can be really frustrating when the elements are not cooperating, uh, when the conditions aren't just right or you don't have the proper tools. And what I appreciated about Don that day is he had all the right tools. The weather was cooperating and the wood was dry. Anybody ever try to start wet wood? I know you've all been on a camping trip before. I know you've all been in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. At some point in time, you try to start a fire with wet wood. That takes some time and patience and losing your religion and regaining it all over again in the same moment, friends. It is so hard. And what God wants to suggest to us today is that spiritual growth is a process, a daily journey of intention, intentional discipline and working to take on the holy character of God. And it takes patience on our part but it also means we got to stack the wood so that the Holy Spirit can light the fire. In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, John Wesley, one of the founding church fathers of Methodism, always believed that faith was not a static concept. 
that once we have faith in Jesus Christ, that every single day from that day forward, God is working out, exercising our hearts and our souls to grow us closer to him, that when we find salvation in Jesus Christ, oh, God's not done with us yet. The work has just begun. And it's the invitation, it's the invitation of Paul here to continue to work out your salvation every day with fear and trembling. That's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about growth in the spirit of the living God that requires seasons of prepping, seasons of prepping that burn off all that can dampen the Holy Spirit of God in us, like, well, prepping and burning off things like sin and selfishness and control and covetousness and and busyness and priorities and attitude adjustments that are needed. And when we allow those things to start to get burned off in our life, well, that's when things start to heat up. That's when things start to heat up. And you're seeking the Lord and you're shedding sin and you're changing your worldview because of God's influence and the passion inside of you is growing and and you're starting to catch fire and all of a sudden God is building a spiritual maturity within you. You're growing, you're growing. Now in Matthew chapter three, John the Baptist says this about Jesus Christ. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about Jesus, right? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. Any good farmer knows you only keep the head of the wheat in the kernel, and you get rid of the rest of it because the chaff is worthless, it's no good, and it's only needed to be able to stoke the fires and to heat up whatever you need to heat up. And friends, God is working that process in your life. He's working to rid the things in your life that aren't needed, aren't necessary, aren't helpful, and and he's, and he's, and he's sending those to the fires of the Holy Spirit to do away with in our life and to bring about more purity, to bring about more holiness and more of the holy character of God. You see, friends, Christ is here, and he's ready to drop the match in your life and set the Holy Spirit ablaze inside of your heart. And as you remain and abide in Christ, well, what does that mean? Well, if you remember, you remember that Jesus walked into the, in the garden that night among the vineyard rows and started talking to the disciples in the book of John about the vine and the branches. And he talked about a, a good and healthy branch will abide in the vine or remain in the vine, connected, that you have to remain connected. And so that's what he's describing here. As you remain and abide in Christ, as you stay connected with God in your relationship and you pursue his holiness, it is prepping the wood of your life as we wait for the Lord to light the fire. We don't light the fire. We prepare for the Lord's anointing. We prepare for his presence and power, and God is the one that lights the fire in our lives. Friends, when I grew up in God's church, a little Lutheran church, Mount Calvary Lutheran Church in Dayton, Ohio, there wasn't much talk of the Holy Spirit of God in church that I grew up in. And uh, we would go every Sunday morning because, well, it's what you do. I used to get so irritated with my parents because my buddies, they could stay out all night on Saturday night, do whatever they wanted because they got nothing to do on Sunday morning. But my mom and dad said, we're going to church. And so you got to get to bed. It's like, all right. So we're going to church. And guess what? We sat in the same seat every Sunday. Now, I want to tell you what I get excited about is when God has been filling our sanctuary like he has the last couple of weeks, some of you get displaced from your favorite seat. That's a good sign because somebody sat in your seat. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. All right. And so this is the way we kind of grew up going to church that I did as a kid. And what happened was, as we went every Sunday, and it kind of was a religious ritual experience, I began to watch something change in my dad. My dad was always a good man, always a noble man, always a man of integrity, but something began to change in his life, even for the better. 
I was watching my dad have a powerful, Holy Spirit-filled encounter. See, my mom is, from the day I knew my mom, she was just always filled with the Spirit of the Lord and continues on to this day. But my dad had a transformation happening in his life that even at six or seven years old, I could observe. He had an encounter with the very Spirit of God that filled him. And he began a daily ritual of praying every single day for his family and his friends, for any pastors of the churches that he attended. And he's been doing that every day ever since. He started to develop a new attitude. Uh, he started sharing his faith. They, they went out with a, a ministry called, I think it was Jesus Explosion or something, or, and, and they were just sharing their faith, knocking on doors, talking to people about Jesus Christ. He became more, became more social, more active in the church. It was incredible to watch. It was as if the Spirit of God got a hold of him, and he did. I remember then, a few years later, I went off to college at the Ohio State University. I can say the again because we finally won a basketball game after the last six I went off to college, and, and I connected with a group called Campus Crusade for Christ when I was at Ohio State, and there I had a Holy Spirit encounter, friends. That's when I discovered that it was no longer my parents' faith, but it began to be my faith. Am I talking to some of the right folk here today? Because for some of us as young people, and even for some of us as 20-somethings or 30-somethings, we find ourselves still living on what our parents did and their rituals, and, well, we just know nothing else but to follow through with what they did. And all of a sudden, Christ became personal to me. It was no longer a religious thing to do. It wasn't my parents' faith, but it began to be a real relationship with God that guided me every single day and began to influence everything that I did. And there was this passion that was welling up inside of me God began to clean up my language. I, I cursed like a sailor when I was in uh, college. Uh, I, I mean, I only knew le- uh, words that uh, were four letters and, and, and anything less than that. I remember at one point, I just I stopped gambling and playing cards and poker with the buddies. I had to because I was running out of food money. I mean, 20 bucks here, 30 bucks here, 50 bucks there, 100 bucks there, and God says, stop it. This is dumb. What are you doing? And God cleaned all that up in my life. I, I started with a brand new attitude. I started making different choices. And all of a sudden, I discovered a purpose beyond myself, even a purpose beyond attending college. And that purpose was to serve the King of Kings and the kingdom of God. And God began to, s- to develop a ministry inside of me. I started sharing my faith, knocking on doors of strangers in dorm rooms, inviting them to Bible study and talking Jesus with people. God began to allow me to speak at weekly meetings called prime time and to be the MC. And that's when he began to develop a confidence inside of me to be able to speak publicly. Friends, I couldn't talk about my basketball for five minutes when I was a freshman in high school. I was so afraid of public speaking. But God was opening up all these avenues. And friends, it started because God lit the match in my heart. And the Holy Spirit became alive in me. Friends, this happened again in my family just a couple of years ago. My brother Matt, just like my dad, had always been a really good guy, and I believe had faith in God, even invited Jesus Christ to be in his life, but something has changed in my brother's life in the last three years, and I'm here to testify about it. He doesn't know I'm going to share this with you, but my brother and his family started attending a new church a couple of years ago, and all of a sudden, I started seeing changes in his attitude, the things he wanted to talk about, the content of our conversations And he started going on men's trips with the pastor and backpacking and things, serving in the parking lot ministry, confessing sin, having a brand new attitude. I wanted to know what happened to my brother. I mean, where's my brother at? Where's Matt? This is, he's a brand new guy. And you want to know what? I got the answer right away. I already knew what it was. The Holy Spirit got a hold of him and started to do a brand new thing in his life. Even though he was a really good guy, even though I know my brother Matt had had faith in Jesus Christ, God had taken him to a brand new level. God had lit the match in his life, and my brother is now set on fire for the kingdom of God, and he is a whole new person as a result of it. Friends, what about you? What about you? 
You know, if we're honest, many of us have attended church for years. We've sat in these chairs or the seats of other churches, and we've attended church, and, and years and years of doing it uninspired and unmoved, missing out on the deeper things of God, missing out on a more powerful life. You know, we've been stacking the wood all this time, but we've not let God light the match and allow the purposes and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God to fill us with all the fullness of the glory of God. And we've been selling God short. We've been living for less than what God has come to give for us, friends. Oh, and friends, God's got a word for us today because in Ephesians chapter 3, 17 to 19, the Bible says this. It's Paul's prayer, and he's talking to the church. He's talking to one of the churches that really, really gets it, yet he's reminding them of these things. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, friends. And here's the money shot. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can you say that about your life? Have you opened yourself up to the full measure of God? Have you opened up every area of your life and allowed God into every crack and crevice? Have you invited the power of the Holy Spirit to consume your heart? Have you allowed him to light the wood that you've been stacking all of these years religiously into this relationship with God that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? Oh, it's Paul's prayer, friends, and it's my prayer for our congregation for each and every one of you and everyone we come in contact with. It is a powerful life transformational prayer. What would life look like? What would our church look like? What would Methodism look like if we prayed and embodied this promise and received, actually received the full measure of all the fullness of God? You see, here's the amazing thing about it. It's already available. You say, Pastor John, I've been searching for something like that, and God is here to tell you it's already at hand. It's already available to you. God is not withholding. God does not withhold anything. There is no new revelation. He's fully here. He's fully present. It's just every single day he wants us to receive more of him. He's always got more for us. He's always got something new to do in our lives and in our hearts. And the question is, are we working, leaning into God to receive the full measure of all the fullness of God? Friends, talk about a bonfire. Talk about a bonfire. Friends, you need, you need, you need heat to heat things up, don't you? Who likes pizza? Man, I like pizza. My goodness gracious. Friends, if you don't live in Zanesville and you don't like pizza, I'm here to tell you, you're going to starve to death. <laughs> South Zanesville, if you don't like pizza, you got Bob Evans. That's it. I mean, every place you turn around, if it's opening up and it's brand new around here, it's either a car wash or a pizza place. Like, we need more of both. Now, I'm here to tell you, there are some good slices of pizza in South Zanesville. There's some good slices of pizza up in Zanesville proper up there up north. Uh, but my favorite slice of pizza, my favorite slice of pizza is uh, the double slice at Sam's Club for $2. <laughs> my goodness gracious. Come on now. Can I get a witness from somebody here? I got somebody over here. I mean, $2. I, I mean, come on now. I mean, uh, inflation hasn't even hit Sam's Club yet. Can you imagine that? It's still $2 up there. It's two bucks. Now, for $2.50, you could get a beverage too. $2. And it's a double slice, pepperoni, meats. You can get, who's ready to go? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready right now. I'm ready. Now, friends, there's, there's something significant you need to know about pizza. I'll take it two ways. I won't take it a third way. I'll take it two ways. I'll take it hot. I like myself a good slice of hot pizza, right? But I also like a good slice of cold pizza. Anybody eat cold pizza? Breakfast the next day, lunch, you know, too lazy to shove in the microwave. The problem is if you put it in the microwave, it gets all soggy anyways. I'll tell you what I don't do is I can't eat a slice. I can eat a hot, I can eat a cold, but I cannot eat a lukewarm. It spit it right out of my mouth. 
Friends, can you imagine what it would be like if you tried to eat a piece of pizza that came out of a pizza that you put in the oven at 100 degrees? If you cooked a pizza at 100 degrees and you tried to put that in your mouth, think about what that would taste like. It would be limp and doughy, and it would be lukewarm, and you would spit that out of your mouth, right? I'd spit it right out of my mouth. And friends, what God wants us to realize is that as the people of God, as God's church, as a denomination, we've been living spiritually at 100 degrees. We've been, we've been living at 100 degrees. We've been living weak. We get pushed around. We, we live with timidity and fear. We stay silent on things. We apologize to other people, even when we do live boldly. And we're lukewarm. And, in, and so we're tasteless. And the Bible describes us as opposite of that. The Bible says that if you're a Christ follower, you are the salt of the earth. The challenge is the American church is losing its saltiness. The American church is losing its saltiness. It's losing its flavor. And in Revelation chapter 3, this indictment is so real today. The Bible says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. It lists a bunch of good things that the church is doing. He says, I know all these deeds, but you're neither hot nor cold. I, I, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. We cannot eat pizza at 100 degrees, and we can't live at 100 degrees. Am I talking to some of the right folk here today? We can't do that. we got to seek the, 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 the fire of God in our life. Uh, friends, a good pizza oven. I, I did my research on this now. I looked, it up, I looked it up on Google, and everything on Google is true. So uh, I did my research, and, and it says that uh, for a good pizza oven, it needs to be from 600 to 800 degrees. Friends, that's a, that's a far cry from 100 degrees, isn't it? You get that nice crispiness on the edges. Ooh, a little bit of, little bit of golden brown underneath. The cheese starts to bubble up. I'm ready to go, man. I'm, I'm ready I'm ready right now. Friends, you got to raise the temperature. Are you ready for God to raise the temperature in your life? Are you ready for him to raise the spiritual temperature and let him set you on fire and fill you with the measure of all the fullness of God? Or are we desiring less than what God wants to give us? Friends, I dare say three-quarters of the American church is desiring less than what God wants to give us. Do we truly believe that God is still going to show up in our lives? The same God who heals the leper, the same God who gave sight to the blind and walked on water and cast demons out and, and prisoners free and raised the dead. Do you believe that this same God is active and alive in the very same ways today? Do we? Because maybe we would live differently if we believed those things, that he's the same miracle-working God who desires to compel you to be full of his power and character and ability so that he can totally transform your life. Therefore, he can do the same supernatural work in you that he himself and Jesus Christ was doing while he was on this earth. In other words, God can perform signs and wonders and miracles through you. And friends, it starts with the belief that God resides in us, that God is working to lodge his spirit in us. The Bible says that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, we've been going deep on Thursday nights. We've been getting in the book of Ephesians, and it's been wonderful. We've had like 25 people at the last couple of Thursday nights. It's not too late. Come on this Thursday, and we're going to get into God's word again. But I'm going to give you a little bit of overtime. We're jumping into the book of Ephesians here real quick some more. And so here's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, about the indwelling nature of the Spirit of God. It says, and in him... You too are, by the way, I'm Ephesians 2, you guys are looking it up, 22, page 1,796. That helps you out. I don't hear any pages turning. Turn your Bibles on, go to the, go to the Uversion Bible app. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Friends, the Holy Spirit of God wants to indwell your heart. God wants to take up residence in your life. 
You are a walking temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you have the Spirit of God alive and well in you, when you show up, God shows up. Not that you're God, it's the God inside of you. That's his dwelling place, it's his temple. He wants to fill your life, friends. And do we truly believe that God is gonna show up in our lives in this manner? Friends, we are, our souls are the wood and the kindling is the practices and habits and disciplines of things like worship and Bible study and prayer and going on a mission trip and fasting and, and, and being involved in a life group or serving other people and blessing others. That, all that stuff, it heats us up. And the match is the Holy Spirit. You ever notice in the Bible, yeah, there were disciples. We, we talk about 12. There are actually more than 12 disciples that followed Jesus. But in those early days, it was primarily 12. Now, those disciples, they found Jesus, but they, but they had yet to still find the power and the strength of God. That's because the Holy Spirit didn't come on them just yet. And what you notice about these disciples is that they, were, uh, they, they, they knew God, but they lived with fear. They were selfish, argumentative. They doubted. They were full of confusion. They were weak. They were limp. They were doughy like a 100-degree pizza. They lacked confidence. But all of a sudden, what happened in the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes. They receive the power of the living God in their life, and all of a sudden, everything changes. These same men and women, everything changes. They started to live with a bold confidence, a holy boldness. They started sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. They spoke with authority. They even gave up their lives to do so. Almost all of them were martyred, except for John himself, and he, he, he survived his martyrdom, and he was banned to the island of Patmos and later there died. They spoke with authority. God performed signs and wonders and miracles through them. It's the same guys, except for they weren't the same. They were completely transformed like my dad before my own eyes growing up and my brother within the last couple of years, and like I believe God is doing and done in my life starting in my college years. In John chapter 21, the Bible says, and again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's God's desire for you, friends, is to, is to take on the fullness of the full measure of God by receiving the presence of the Holy Spirit to light you on fire. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What, what does the Holy Spirit bring? Limp, doughy, crust? No, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. Friends, like the disciples, we get a chance to receive the very power by the work of the Holy Spirit of God in us to be able to live an abundant life, to be able to love other people supernaturally, to be able to share confidently with other people to not live with the spirit of timidity, the Bible says, but to live under the spirit of, of power and love and discipline. That's because the Holy Spirit is personal, friends. The Holy Spirit is as personal as Jesus is. It's the third person of the Holy Trinity. You can personally know and interact with the Holy Spirit. He ushers us into the very presence of God, and even when we don't have the words, he intercedes for us. Oh, the Holy Spirit, friends, is a conduit that gives the Father's love to us. The supernatural love of God flows through the Holy Spirit into us and therefore giving us the ability to be able to supernaturally love other people. No matter who you are or how, you treat, how you're treated, you can still love somebody through the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, this cannot be self-generated. It's not something that we do on our own. Only in the power of the Holy Spirit can God teach us to love people beyond ourselves and to live like Jesus. And that's because the Holy Spirit is also the one who points us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. He's always drawing us into Christ. He's always drawing us back to Christ to embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord, to shape us, to become more like him. 
And the Holy Spirit is the one that makes Jesus real to us. It makes the unfathomable mystery of God and the truth and his word come alive to us as a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path, the Bible even says. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 24. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Friends, the Holy Spirit leads us to holiness, leads us to Jesus, leads us to holiness because the Holy Spirit is personal. And a, a good Wesleyan Methodist doctrine is the focus on the means of grace, that God comes in grace, but it also is the part of the call to holiness, that we're offered grace, but we are called to live in the holy character and nature of God. And it starts with come as you are here at Rolling Plains, to come and discover Jesus Christ, but it's also about daily working out our salvation and taking on more of the holy character of God and shedding more of our sin every single day and working out our salvation. There are three more steps in the journey here at Rolling Plains on our mission beyond come as you are, and they are what? Come, connect, grow, and go. So friends, it is come as you are, but don't leave as you were. It's come as you are, but don't leave as you were. We got a desire to know more of him. We got a desire to grow deeper in Christ daily with him and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to taking on the very holiness of God. Oh friends, the Holy Spirit is also our helper. He's a comforter in times of trouble, a counselor when we need wisdom. He is a guide through the challenges of life. He's a coach that's going to bring loving correction. He's going to, he, he's going to um, uh, allow us to not live under our own efforts, but be able to, to live under his help. And so let's not live on our own efforts until we need his help, but let's live daily in his help. Let's live daily in his power so that he can use us as he did the disciples to be the supernatural helpers of proclaiming the very kingdom of God to other people, to be able to help the lost be found. God wants to use you to bring hope to the hopeless and to bring health to the sick. Well, friends, he is our helper so we can be help to other people. And in obedience to God, the power of the Holy Spirit is a promise that we will be able to do greater things than even Jesus did when he walked this earth. Our abilities and our gifts and our quirks are all tools of God, supernatural spiritual gifts God has given us, that through his Spirit, in us, we can make the world a better place, in a different place, and to make a difference in this world because of God in us. And when we realize why he has given us all of these things, that's when the match gets lit and dropped in our life. And we start to recognize that God is at work desiring for us to be able to join him right there in that work. And then the fruit of the Spirit will be visible in us. The fruit of the Spirit will be visible in us because when you're filled with all the fullness of God and there's a fire lit on the inside, uh, there will be evidence on the outside. There will be evidence on the outside. You see, spirit-filled Christians, they don't look like the rest of the world. And you've run into some of them before. Some of you are them. They're aliens in a foreign land, a, a peculiar people who profoundly love and believe when others give up and have peace when others fall apart and have an unrelenting joy. And they don't live for what makes them happy, but they live for what makes them holy. There's a fire inside, a fire of the Holy Spirit that produces fruit in them that can be seen from the inside out that will look profoundly different than the rest of the world. And somebody who walks and lives in the Holy Spirit will also experience Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, and this promise. You are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. That when you live in the power of the Holy Spirit, you are sealed in your relationship with God. 
There is a supernatural uh, 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 assurance there, an assurance of salvation, but it goes on before that, uh, more than that, that the Holy Spirit of God is a deposit in your life, a deposit, a down payment that won't be fully understood and the payment will be in full when we finally get to heaven. But friends, we know that that deposit and that down payment reserves us a spot in heaven someday. Oh, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, friends. There is more than just salvation in Jesus Christ. There is more than just coming as you are. God wants to fill you to the measure of all the fullness of God. He wants to fill you with the full measure of his Holy Spirit. He wants to light the fire in you, and he wants to grow you daily and transform your whole life. Friends, there is no end to God. There is always more. There is always more of God. God doesn't withhold anything. The problem is is that his believers fall short of believing. We fall short of believing that, oh, there's just always more that God wants to do in our life. And we fall short of understanding all that God has for us. Why would we settle for anything less than the full measure of the fullness of God? Why would we settle for anything less than hearts filled with the sanctification, the cleansing of God in our life, and to live according to his holy character? Philippians chapter 1, the Bible says, being confident of this. Oh, we're not living mushy Christian lives, right? We're not living doughy. 100, you know, 100 degree lukewarm pizza lives. We're not living that anymore, right? We're living in a 600 to 800 degree Holy Spirit oven, friends. So we're gonna have confidence, bold confidence as a result of this. But being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And that means until Christ comes to take you from this life into the next, God is not done working in your life. You are a work in progress. God wants to do a new work in you. We have not yet arrived because Jesus has not yet arrived to take us to be at home with him forever and eternity, friends. God is on the move pouring out his spirit. He's on the move changing lives and working wonders and leading his church to a deeper level of faithfulness. So let's seek his power and filling of his Holy Spirit and let's prep the wood and let's beg him and cry out to him to strike the match and to set our hearts on fire for the things that burn for his heart. Let's land the plane right now. Let's, let's talk about some action steps, and then we're going to pray. Number one, enter a season of praying and fasting for the full measure of God's Spirit to fill you. Friends, some of you began on January 1, a season of fasting and praying at Rolling Plains, and many of you are doing just that. You're, you've been fasting and praying. Fasting simply means let's let go of something that's important in our life that if it was gone, we would miss, right? And once we miss that moment, then rather than going to that moment, we go to God and allow God to fill that space, to fill that void. Some of you are fasting from social media. Some of you are fasting from TikTok and some other things. For some of you, it's caffeine. Uh, For others, it may be pop or coffee. Uh, For me, I've I've chosen to fast from sweets and desserts. Uh, So I'm fasting from all cupcakes, uh, hostess, uh, um, pies, cookies, banana cream pie. That was, by the way, out there on the counter today. You know, and, and every time I get that craving, I just, I just take it to God. I go to God and say, okay, God, fill me instead of having that stuff fill me. And what I've been learning to do for the last three weeks is rather than turn into Blue Bunny, I've been turning to Jesus Christ. And friends, I want to tell you it's not too late. There's, a, there's another week and a half in the month of January. Maybe some of you have tried the fasting thing and you kind of fell off the wagon or whatever it was. Well, it's okay, friends. Pick it back up. There's no shame. Maybe some of you never even tried it because you didn't think you could do it, but what's something you could let go of? Give it to God and allow that to increase your prayer life. 
Allow that to stack the wood a little bit higher because you'll be ready for God to drop the match in your life. Well, I'm telling you, when you're praying and fasting, there's nothing like it. It accelerates your growth in God so much, friends. And I want to invite you to do it. So find something to fast from and pray when that need arises to be fulfilled by that thing and give it to God. Secondly, pray for, the, I mean, what would it look like if everyone in our church was praying and fasting? Oh my goodness. That we were all praying and fasting for the full measure of all the fullness of God in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our denomination. Oh, we might just, we might just see a Holy Spirit-filled revival happen in our churches and in our communities. Number two, finally, pray for the Holy Spirit then to fill our church. Would you pray for the full measure of the fullness of God to fall afresh on every single one of us, on the body of Christ, on God's church, and see what God does in that moment as we trust in him to guide us and lead us in all ways, friends? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for making a way. Lord God, we are just so humbled by your amazing grace. But Lord God, you don't want to just stop at your amazing grace. You want to give us the full measure of everything that you have, Lord God. And that means to be a love with an everlasting love. That means to live with an eternal joy. It means to take on the fullness of the full measure of you, God. That means to receive your Holy Spirit and all of the blessings that come with it and to live with the spiritual fire. Lord God, none of us want to be lukewarm, doughy, limp Christians. We can't stand pizza that tastes that way, Lord God, and we know that you can't stand it when we taste that way. God, you, you have better for us. And it's not that you're angry or bitter. It's just that you're brokenhearted because you already know that you've given us everything and you're just desperate for us to know that and to realize that and to own that. It's already all there. Lord God, would you, would you grab a hold of our hearts this morning? Would you strike the match? We've been stacking wood, Lord God, but would you strike the match? Would you heat us up? Would you burn off any of the moisture of sin or selfishness, any of the residue of living for ourselves and being caught up in our own priorities and give it all to you, Lord God, this morning? And let's watch what you do as you set our hearts on fire, as you set Rolling Plains Church on fire, as you set our community and our world on fire as a result of what you're doing in this place and houses of worship all over the world. God, we confess to you that as the American church, we've been living on about 25% of what you have for us. We confess to you that as the American church, we've been doing 75% of the work in our life or holding on to 75% of the stuff in our life and just giving you 25%. But God, you're a selfish God. You want it all. You want the whole thing. And Lord, here and now, this day, we're saying as Rolling Plains Church, we don't want to follow the patterns and the ways of this world anymore. We want to be all in, Lord God. Show us your way. Lord, we seek your face. We confess our sin to you. Me personally to you too, Lord God. There's more work to do in my life than all of ours. And we confess it here and now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, friends. Our prayer team's gonna come up. Uh, friends, the altar is open. And, if, and if, if, if there's anything in your life you wanna give over to God, any need that you have, any celebration you wanna give God, let's come to the altar today. If, if we wanna lean in on the fullness of the full measure of God, let's, let's, let's lean into it by getting a little closer to the altar today.